Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. morning it's pastor julie and we are in our i promise series looking at the promises of god and we are on our second one i will supply your needs and we are um, we have two scriptures this morning in the old testament jeremiah 29 11 to 13 and in our new testament matthew 7 7 to 8 <clears throat> from jeremiah For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope, that when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me, if you seek me with all your heart. And then in Matthew chapter 7, and Jesus said, ask and it will be given you, search and you will find Knock and the door will be opened for you, for everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks the door will be opened. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Excuse me. In 2019, World Vision made a report on poverty, and this report said that 9.2% of the world's total population of 689 million people lived in extreme poverty. This amounted to around 63 million people. But taking a deeper look into what poverty really is, we have to see beyond just dollar amounts and income. Poverty is caused by the deprivation or lack of other aspects of normal life that cause people to struggle throughout their lives. A lack of access to quality education due to a lack of schools or parents who need their children to work just to survive leads to a cycle of poverty that is almost impossible to break. Lack of access to clean water or proper sewage treatment leads to preventable health problems and diseases that keep people in that cycle of poverty, even if they have access to health care, which most people in these situations don't, they can't afford it, so the cycle continues. This report was two years ago. As we can well imagine, the economic and health impacts of the pandemic have only made these numbers worse. I mean, come on, haven't we seen the amount of people, normal working people who can't afford to buy food, jump over the last 18 months? I know we've had more and more requests to help pay electric bills or rent or a couple of nights in a hotel. And now that the ban on evictions is ending, we'll see more without shelter. And winter is coming. Maybe you haven't experienced that level of need in your own life before, so it's kind of hard to truly understand the despair, the fear and anxiety of not having enough. But I'm sure you can think of a time in your life when there was something you needed. Not just wanted, but needed. And it seemed out of reach. Or maybe there was a time when everything seemed to go wrong. The car broke down. The kids needed something for school that wasn't cheap. There were medical bills to pay. And your mortgage or rent was increasing. And it was all at the same time. There wasn't any way to do it all. 
You just didn't have the money and maybe you had a good cry about it. Prayed to God for help because you simply don't know where it was coming from and you were afraid. Maybe that will help you relate. So in those moments, how can we believe God will supply our needs? Would you be able to walk into a village where disease was rampant, there was no access to clean water or any viable way to get enough food and just say, don't worry, God will provide. Jesus tells us today that all we need to do is ask. Verse 11 says, how much more will your father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? John 15, 14, Jesus says, if in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. So when we look at those statistics, when we see the faces of malnourished children and see families living in their cars, it can be hard to reconcile the promise as of this truth. Yet God makes this promise. I will supply your needs, give you what you ask for. And God can only speak the truth. So how can we rely on this promise even in our darkest times of need when we do ask and it doesn't seem to be coming? Well, let's take a look at this amazing promise and what that means for us in a world full of poverty and inequity when we feel those needs pressing in on us with no relief in sight. Well, truth be told, if you go looking in the Bible for God to utter the words, I promise to supply your needs, you won't find it. This particular promise comes from a smattering of different verses, most of them uttered by human beings like David in the Psalms and Paul in his New Testament letters. And although there are allusions to God's faithful provisions in the Old Testament, they seem to be for specific people at specific times, like Adam and Eve, who after they had sinned were being kicked out of the Garden of Eden, yet God provided them clothes and a way to till the soil for their food. Like Abraham, who had enormous faith in God's promise to him, and then providing for the Israelites on their 40-year journey. There, there are promises made to the faithful for provision, but not an overarching, clearly stated, single promise to all human beings everywhere. Yet in Jeremiah 29, God makes this promise to the Israelites in exile, which has been interpreted throughout history by theologians as being for the Israelites in that moment, but also a promise made for God's people in all ages throughout time. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, for a future with hope. See, at the time, the Israelites' future looked grim. They were prisoners in a foreign land, and Jeremiah had sent this letter telling them that they wouldn't return to Jerusalem for 70 years, meaning those reading that letter would never see home again. God goes on to say, Then when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. And I'm sure they had prayed not to be prisoners and then once they were, they prayed for release from captivity to be able to go home. So I'm sure it felt to them like God didn't hear them at all, that God wasn't listening. Just like in those times of our lives when the situation seems grim and without hope. They found it hard to believe that God would really provide. 
But since God is a God of hope, he sends this promise to the Israelites to remind them that no matter what they've done, no matter what their current circumstances, there is hope for their future. God tells them that he has plans. He knows those plans and is putting them into action. Be patient, he says, it's coming. You're in this situation because of your choices. And these are the consequences. But I won't allow them to continue forever. I will redeem you and bring you home. What they needed in that moment was hope. What they needed was to remember the love of God that would never leave them. What they needed was to return to their relationship with God and allow God's plans to carry them into the future. And we see that through the words and faithfulness of Jeremiah, through Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, and later even King Darius of Persia, God did give them all they needed. They lived in a prosperous land, even in captivity, a beautiful land, and had enough to eat, places to live comfortably, and the ability to continue to worship God. Since they had what they truly needed in the here and now, they could believe God's promise of a bright future. See, when we have faith in God, when we can, tr- we can trust God's promises, because we can look at our own lives and see his provisions in the past and in the present, and therefore know that God will continue to provide in the future. But God is, is God only talking about material things like food, shelter, and money to pay my bills? Probably not. But that's how we judge God on this promise, isn't it? Most of the time we judge the truth of this promise based on what we can put our hands on, what we need to physically survive, having all that stuff we've come to believe we need to live a good life. If we base God's faithfulness solely on our material things and our own level of creature comforts, God will never measure up to our expectations. And it will always leave us disappointed and wanting somehow. For a few minutes anyway, I want to make the case that although God can and does provide the material things we need to live from day to day, God has and does supply all our needs. But those needs might not be something we can hold in our hands. But just to be sure, let's start with those material things to have a better understanding of what God has provided for us in the physical world. And to start with, he has provided the physical world. In creating the earth with its amazing land and water, mountains and valleys, oceans and rivers, the diversity of plant and animal life, the ability of this planet to be in just the right spot in the universe to support human life. God has provided everything we need. Just like in the passage right before our Ask, Seek, and Knock passage where Jesus reminds us that God cares for the sparrows and the lilies and knows what he needs that God has in providing this beautiful planet, given us the ability to have enough, enough clean air, enough food, enough water, enough space and beauty to live long and wonderful lives. The fact that some people around the world do not have all the food, clean air and water they need doesn't make God's promise a lie. It speaks to the choices we human beings make as we can and do hoard resources for our own use, disrespect the resources that we've been given, 
and or exploit the less fortunate for our own gain. See, we taint that promise with sin and sinful, self-serving actions that keep everyone from having enough. You see, in Jeremiah 29, God tells them, I know the plans I have for you. And that is the truth of the matter. But God didn't plan for the Israelites to turn away from their relationship with him, didn't plan for them to worship other gods and treat each other so badly. That's what happened, but that wasn't God's plan for them. God knows the plans he has for each one of us and provides all we need to live it out. But does any one of us actually Follow that plan. Instead, we ask God to make us well when the years of smoking cigarettes has finally caused lung cancer or COPD. We ask God to get us out of jail when we were the ones who broke the law, stole the money, were driving under the influence, even when those things were our decision and not the plans God had for us. See, we ask God to supply the money to pay our bills, to keep the electric on or pay the rent when we did have the money, but we gambled it away when shopping for things we didn't need or racked up the charges on our credit cards to keep up the lifestyle we can't really afford. Ask and it will be given to you, says Jesus. But does any one of us really believe that God promises to enable our sinful habits? especially when we decisively work against the plans God has for our lives. Yet here, in this space, is where God's promise comes to meet our needs in the most wonderful way we can even begin to imagine. In our passage from Jeremiah, God says to the Israelites in exile and to us as we live through the tough situations in our lives, when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. And Jesus says in Matthew, ask and it will be given You search and you will find, knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and everyone who searches, finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. So what are we asking and searching for? The same thing those Israelites were hoping for, a loving, forgiving God who never leaves us or forsakes us, a God who holds the future in his hands and wants only our good no matter what. The very thing we need the most in this life that God provides is grace. God makes a way for our redemption to get us out of those circumstances that we find ourselves in and provide a future with hope. God provides God's self. And that happens in so many beautiful ways. So remember, we talked last week about how God is always with us. God is in creation and all around us. The image of God lives inside of us through the Holy Spirit when we put our faith in Jesus. Jesus is another way God is with us, the incarnation. But it is through Jesus that we receive God's amazing grace. 
Jesus made a way for our relationship with God to be restored and give us our future back, a future filled with hope and promise. It is through that relationship that we begin to learn that material things will never satisfy our needs. Jesus tells us over and over not to store up treasures on earth, but to build up those treasures in heaven. See, living in this world, we come to believe that material things and creature comforts are what we need, and we strive for them in so many ways. Yet those who follow Christ through faith learn that what we really need is the love of God, to receive God's grace by our repentance and to begin to let the Holy Spirit turn our lives around, teaching us to walk in the ways of love, giving us a new life. Now, God does provide material things, sometimes in miraculous ways even. I had a terrible car repair bill once, almost $1,000, and had no idea where that money was going to come from. I prayed hard. And the very next day, there was a check in the mail for the exact amount for my mortgage company claiming I had made an overpayment. I knew God was at work. And I'm sure there are many out there who could point to a similar incident in their lives, yet I am painfully aware that sometimes those checks don't come. And we still have to deal with the struggle. But the last way I'm going to share that I know God provides for us, is sometimes the hardest for us to see and really understand. God gave us the church, gave us each other, so that we could have yet another way to have what we need. Through the church, the people of God are called to share their resources by giving to the church to help share the good news and also to those in need. Through the church, God also gives us each other because people need other people. We do need each other. We are called to love and support one another, to share our gifts and abilities for the good of all, to encourage and be the presence of God in the world. God gave us the church. his church, to help provide physical needs, but spiritual and emotional needs as well. The greatest commandment is to love God, which is where we start. And then we learn to love our neighbor as ourselves. God provides all we really need, grace and forgiveness to restore our relationships with God first and then each other. And then God gave us wonderful brains and imaginations to develop the resources we need to provide for ourselves and for one another. The planet is filled with all good things. It's our job to be good stewards so that everyone has enough. God gave us the church to be his presence in the world. So when it seems like you don't have enough, don't have what you need, cry out to God. God will hear and God will provide. See, God knows what God has planned for you. Begin with faith. Walk with God all along the way. God knows what you need. And it all starts with love. 
Trust that even when times are tough, you are never alone. There is hope for your future. You are loved and in return, you are called to love others. Ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Call to God and God will answer you. The God that provides will supply all you need. Then take what God gives you. And become the way God provides for someone else. Be part of the church. Be part of the way God gives to the world. Receive love. And then be loving. That's what we all really need. Amen.